Today on Stick to Football, you get an audio-only show for your Monday morning. I apologize, no YouTube show this morning as the three of us kind of get ready for Combine Week. As you're listening to this, I am somewhere on I-44 in Missouri. Mello is molding the minds of America's youth, and Connor's probably doing push-ups or something fun like that. Uh, We are going to have a fun week for you guys, and that's kind of what we want to hit today. No Mock Draft Monday because you get all three of us. We're going to go heavy on draft on draft, but we want to remind you that We are going to be doing a live show and hangout Saturday, February 29th from 2 to 4 p.m. at 2 Deep Brewing Company in Indianapolis. Joey Molinaro is going to be there, the guy who's doing like the cowherd impersonations, all these great videos. I love his new stuff that he's doing with the interviews. The press is hilarious, man. Absolutely hilarious. Yeah, with like the after meeting your your girlfriend's parents for the first time. Post date interview, like the teacher, the teacher halftime interview. I've already told other teachers, like this is happening before the end of the year. We are <laughs> doing this. it. We can record it. We can put it on the announcements. I don't care. Just bleep out the language for it. Yeah, me. it's gonna be great. I can't wait to wait to meet Joey. Uh, it's gonna be. Hopefully, we can keep up. I like to think we're funny. Uh, I hope we can keep up with him. Uh, but come hang out. It's free. You do not have to sign up. Just come hang out, uh, and we'll, we'll eat. we're gonna throw down a little bit. We're gonna buy everybody who comes two free beers. So just come. Find one of the three of us we want to take care of our listeners so we're going to buy you a free beer if you come out uh, and then march 14th we haven't yet convinced connor to come to this but we're working on it <laughs> Mello and i will be in nashville on our adult spring break you can come hang out with us at honey fire barbecue we'll be doing our, our radio show there that we do locally in joplin missouri but we'll be doing a little bit of just a hangout we're not doing the podcast we just want to come hang out with you guys at noon at honey fire so those are the announcements i'll tell you one thing that i do like from our listeners is when they let us know they're going to be there though it lets me prepare prepare for what personalities will be there and it's just really helpful for help for me so if you could tweet us let us know. Slide in the DMs. I don't care. I think my favorite thing is when we do do events or shows somewhere, and we don't realize that like someone that's been sitting there for three hours <laughs> was there to, to hang out with us. Yes. And we're like, oh, hey, <laughs> great to have you here. So definitely, uh, we're not mean, we're not nasty, and we, we don't bite, so come over and say hello. That that is that's very good advice because a lot of times someone who's like kind of shy will sit there until we're packing up, <laughs> and then it's like, hey, like we have somewhere we have to be, like yeah, or you introduce yourself with your real first name, and I'm like, okay, that's cool. I probably know you by your Twitter handle. Like, if we're being real honest, like your Twitter name or your Twitter handle, if it's something different from that, I, you probably need to introduce yourself as that. Like, uh, if you're like a Richard and your user ad is Antha Oreo or whatever, <laughs> you better come at me with what's on Twitter because that's where I'm going to know you from. Uh, let's uh, let's jump into some news. There's not a whole lot because we're kind of waiting for the combine to start. But I will say we talked to you guys on the Friday morning show about how we were expecting a CBA vote. We were a little bit fired up about it. There was no vote. They're waiting until Tuesday, guys. So while we're in Indy, the player reps are going to come in as well. And I've seen a couple player reps be like, I was supposed to be in Cabo. Like, I'm supposed to be on vacation. Now I have to go to Indianapolis on Tuesday, which is super inconvenient, but they are going to put the proposed uh, deal to a vote. Yeah, I, I think they're going to put it to a vote, and it's going to get shot down, exactly. down very quickly. Uh, so, yes, is there news? Is there something going to happen on Tuesday? Yeah, let me go ahead and spoil it for you. They're not voting for that. No way are they going to. I've already seen a ton of players on Twitter 
uh, just asking questions. I mean, like, do they really think they're sneaking this bias with this week 17 pay scale? Like, it's just not going to happen. So, uh, maybe we'll get to see what they kind of counter with on Tuesday, but they're for sure not accepting it. It's good how proactive they've been throughout all of this to get these conversations going in a general right direction. But, I, guys, I was doing uh, ESPN New York Radio with Anita Marks, who used to work at Bleacher Report this weekend. I was saying the way this has been spun by NFL media is portraying almost a false hope for the fans right now, in my opinion. I, I don't think this thing is even close to getting ready to be done, and I hope the players stand on the table and, and honestly fight for what they deserve when it comes to this agreement. And to what Melo said, I really do think that so, like, you would think the the owners would be able to just counter on the spot. They can't. No. The, the players will vote Tuesday, and the owners have really said, like, this is not our first offer. This is our best offer. And so I think with the players, I will – my hope is that the information we've been given from, you know, the Ian Rappaport's, Tom Pelissero's, Mike Garofalo – I hope that that information is just like a little over our heads and this deal's better for the players than it's been presented as. Because like maybe we're missing something because people keep saying, oh, this like this solves that problem for the players. And we're like, no, it doesn't. Like, how how does this solve the problem? So I think that that is my sincere hope is that what was announced Thursday night that we were up in arms about, hopefully like something got lost in translation there, and it is a better deal than we thought. One thing that's going to be a part of this uh, that we hope, we're going to see some changes to the game. We've heard about 17 game schedules. We've heard about uh, playoffs changing, maybe the active player amount changing. One thing that we are now hearing, I think I saw this on Pro Football Talk, NFL coaches want a sky judge. We saw this in the AAF. It worked. We've seen it in the XFL. It's working. Basically, this takes... Or it puts someone over the top of the referees on the field so that if there is a blatant holding call or a bad pass interference call, there's somebody who can basically hit the buzzer, come in and say, wait a second, like, we understand you guys are doing a tough job, but you might have missed something there. I like a lot of the rules that we saw with the AAF and some of the stuff even with the XFL. So I am glad that they put stuff like the Sky Judge into it. Uh, I think it'll be interesting. I think that the NFL is really stubborn in their ways and for a very long time they just haven't changed things uh, so it'll be nice to have the players kind of come in and, and get some different things happening in the game because you know the owners are just going to stay pat yeah i'm with it all the way i mean at the end of the day the more innovations you can have is great these are conversations that should be going on these are conversations that are really really important I mean, I think it's something that we ask right now with baseball all the time. We're like, why is baseball always falling behind all the other leagues? So for the NFL to continue to look for all the help they can get to call the game the right way, I'm with it all the way. Yeah, it just makes sense. Like This is the most popular sport. Uh, they're talking about a percentage of revenue is $5 billion, excuse me. And we don't have a sky judge, and we're still using a stick and a, and a chain. <laughs> the ball spire thing first is just it, the most insane thing ever. Like this is so off topic. How like in soccer and in hockey, they can light up the net when the ball crosses the plane, and they can't do that in football. Like how cool would it be if the goalpost lit up when the ball crossed the plane? Or just put, change the yellow line to a red line, which might not be great for you, Matt, <laughs> but for the rest of us with normal eyesight, I think it would be. I I think you're right, but. Like you've mentioned a million times here, they love that drama of bringing the chains out and seeing the players' reaction to, oh my gosh, I don't know, it could be an inch away, I don't know if we converted it on fourth down, so I don't think the NFL is going away from no. it anytime soon. And it's a free TV timeout they can take, which That's more the big one. That's a lot That's of money. That's what it's about. They add up.
Yeah, it, absolutely. All right. Franchise tag window is changing. This actually affects none of you, but it is notable, so I wanted to get it in here. It is now February 27th instead of February 25th, and it will extend until March 12th. So that is the window that teams have starting the 27th until the 12th. You have that window to apply your franchise tag. So we're looking at people like um, not Tom Brady and Jadavion Clowney, but everyone else. Yeah, like could be tagged. Chris Dak Jones. Prescott. Chris Jones. Yeah. Top tier free agents that we could see tagged. And now that window, it, it's the same amount of days. It has just been bumped forward. The reason for that is because we're waiting for this vote on Tuesday from the Players Association. So, again, doesn't probably affect 99.9% of our listeners. But just in case you want to really keep up with all this, the date has changed. And we'll see. I think we'll see news break. I mean, as we're in Indy. Um, especially uh, early in the week, I think there's going to be a lot of news about free agency after this vote. Or you'll just start to hear the buzz. Now, while you're in Indy, agents are there. They're talking. They're going to kind of let people know what's going on, and we'll get that little bit of information that trickles out, or you'll be stumbling along on the sidewalk trying to make it back to your hotel, and you might just bump into somebody that has a very high draft pick, and they tell you what they're going <laughs> to do with it. tell you that. who they're picking. Uh, I love Indy. I can't wait. I am man. nervous though. It's a little I'm different nervous. this year. That's why, because normally I like know where to go and who to talk to to get information. I want I think this year is going to be very different because the the schedule is different now. You know, like that it's everything's flipped. I just People will be going out for lunch instead of dinner. That's what I wonder, and that changes everything because it's like who loves juicy gossip at lunch. <laughs> right old ladies yeah and me now yeah. <laughs> me and old ladies but yeah. it's not the Can't same wait. as as the drinks flowing late at night or the steaks or i don't know man i just right? i just wonder if the accessibility of connections will shut down because of teams working late into the night this year i, I mean you buy an agent a couple extra beers Get him talking a little bit. You'll find out some information. I don't know how you guys are going to do that at lunch. Uh, maybe an extra steak for Andy Reid. Do not doubt me. I'll make this happen. Yeah, you want another, you want another cold brew? Let's let's make this happen. <laughs> Nothing like uh, caffeine and to action. get them talking. Exactly. We'll do. I'll roofie people if we have Jesus. to. One thing that we have heard: uh, players unfortunately get hurt. They're not able to go at the combine. That has happened to Brian Edwards, the receiver from South Carolina, who notably missed the Senior Bowl as well with a knee injury. Now a broken foot, suffered during training, going to keep him out of the combine. There was at one point, fellas, some talk about Brian Edwards as maybe a second round pick at wide receiver. I think that was based off you know early tape. I do not have him ranked that highly. Uh, I actually have him as the number 78 overall player. And one thing that we continue to say about this receiver class is you could be the 10th or 11th ranked receiver in a normal year that might make you the second or third round pick this year can make you the fourth or fifth round pick. I think that just because, you know, the depth at the receiver position, we keep hearing teams are going to wait for it. So I think with Brian Edwards, and this is a pretty big blow to miss the senior bowl and then the combine with two separate injuries. Yeah, and I think this is another guy that Draft Twitter really likes, or at least it seems like I see his name pop up a lot. Uh, but you're right. It really sucks for him. You don't want to see anybody get hurt during the process. Uh, but he was really rising up there. Even if it was Draft Twitter, his name was getting out there a little bit more. So it sucks to see a guy not be able to participate in the Senior Bowl, getting his knee scope, just getting it cleaned up, and then a broken foot. Throughout the draft process, really sucks for him. Uh, probably not going to be back in time to do much at all. No, it's brutal, especially this year, like you alluded to, Matt. It's one of those things where 
It feels like everybody's so closely grouped together. You could be sitting there looking, trying to sneak into the second round, and the next thing you know, you miss something like the NFL Combine or something like the Senior Bowl, and you're sitting there looking at the fifth or sixth round. Now, I really like Brian Edwards a lot, and I think what sucks is I think he actually would have ran a little better than people expected at the Combine, considering how big he is. So I think this is definitely... It's a big loss. It's a big miss. And maybe at the end of the day, it'll be somebody's gain if he does slip down the draft boards on day two or three of the draft. Yeah, and for me, like our guy Len Bowden, Len Bowden Gabe Davis, Van Jefferson, Chase Claypool, Colin Johnson. Like I have, I had him above those guys sure. on tape. Now two injuries? That's ugh, that's a little scary for me. Maybe, hopefully they're flukes. Yeah, and I'm sure that the knee was probably you know just regular off-season scoping. Uh, that happens with a lot of guys, but uh, it is something that you're going to have to ask questions about. What was the knee injury? Uh, did it lead to maybe some foot injuries with overcompensation? Sure. A lot going on there, but you, you have to ask about it. And it, it does suck because I do think that he's a guy that would have ran pretty well to combine, or at least you can answer the questions. Like Matt, you said you had a lot of guys uh, behind him. You could have compared him at the combine, seeing him go yep. head to head in drills. It helps you answer questions. We didn't get it at the senior bowl. Now we won't get it at the combine with Brian Edwards. Yeah, and unfortunate for Brian Edwards. Let's take a break. We come back. We're going to look at combine prop bets and give you over-under predictions for all the top bets that you can place out there. We'll be back right after this. One of the great things about the combine, sneaky great things about the combine, is being able to prop bet on 40-yard dashes. And this used to be like... A thing for me because you talk to all the trainers and you're able to just say, all right, I know where these guys are going to run. Now with online betting and daily betting, it's even easier to do this. Unfortunately, Mello and I live in Missouri, so we can't do this. But I was told Indiana allows it. So if you're in Indianapolis for the combine, you're able to legally bet. The, The thing here is you're just supposed to cash out before you leave the state. That's what I've been told. So any... Fellow gamblers out there. Yeah, you have to wait to place your bet when you're in state. Yep, but I'm ready. I'm locked and loaded. Let's start here. CeeDee Lamb, the number two receiver in the draft on my big board, a top ten player, though. There, We've said it all along. We try to have caution, you guys. He's not very fast. He's fast enough, but he's not very fast. We, we said something last week, don't count it twice. With CeeDee Lamb, don't count it twice that he's not fast. The over-under has been set at 4.54 seconds in the 40-yard dash, guys. I'm going to take the over on this. I think CD plays a little bit faster than this. He to me honestly, I don't it's tough because like there's combine training and that can shave off time. To me he looks like a high 4-5 guy. Yeah, I think that he does play fast and I don't know that he's a track kind of guy, but what I'm guessing and what I'm going to put my money on here is that he's going out there and he is just training for the 40. Because everybody is saying, oh, C.D. Lamb's slow. He's going to run slow. Uh, We know his game film's good. I think that he's going to go out there and he's going to run under this 4-5-4-40. And he's going to make himself a lot of money. He's going to put himself up there with a guy like Jerry Judy. Because if he can get to 4-4-9, I do think a lot of teams and a lot of people are going to start talking more about C.D. Lamb receiver number one. I think so, too, and that's why I have him going under here. Now, I think it'll be really, really close. This is either an under or a push, and I'm talking 4-5-2, 4-5-3, 4-5-4, exactly. So, for CD, I do think he plays, you know, I think he plays faster than I've given him credit for. I love what he does, obviously, after the catch, and if he's had the time, obviously he has, to train and get that start right, I really think he can go under this projected 40 time. In Sorry, go ahead, Noah. I just want to know, what do you guys think that he's actually going to have to run the 40 in to affect his draft stock? 
like four five four six five. I think if he it, ran over four, four six. six. Yep. And I looked it up. He ran a four six flat in high school. I have no idea how legit that time is, but that's the time that was on his ESPN player profile. So I think if he runs above four six because he's not he's tall but he's not thick, I think that would be a problem. If he somehow gets like a four four nine, then yeah, I think people are gonna be like, he's better than Judy. Yeah, like a top fifteen lock. But I think there would be some conversation about that. So I'm taking the over. You're both taking the under. How about Chase Young, the undisputed best player in the 2020 NFL draft class? His over-under in the 40 is set at 4.65. Now, what is important to remember is that Chase Young was listed at six foot five, 265 pounds. If he runs a 4.65, that's very impressive. That's moving. And, you know, a lot of guys this size don't run that quickly. I'm going to take the over on this one just because I think that he's going to be in between 4.65 and 4.7 flat. Uh, I believe the Bosa brothers came in at like 4.71 and 4.8. Yeah. Uh, Nick was the 4.7. Joey was 4.8. Those are comparable size guys. I don't know what Miles Garrett ran. Uh, I should probably have looked his up. But I, I do think. That's hey, he's fast. pretty goddamn fast. <laughs> uh, I I think that Chase Young is probably not really too worried about the 40 and what he's going to run there. I think he's going to impress everybody with the drills. I think he's going to be a stock up guy, if that's even possible, after the combine. But I'm going to take the over on the 4.65. Yeah, I'm going over as well. I think when you look at his size, this would be insane if he went under. I, th- I don't think people are realizing like how ridiculous this would be and also once again i actually don't think it affects much so i don't think he's on that miles garrett speed of 464 i don't think it really matters but i think he's going over 465 i'm gonna say 47 for chase young i'm getting crazy guys i think he is a freak athlete i'm going under on this Jadavian Clowney, remember he ran he ran a 453 Jadavian Clowney did i don't think that Chase Young is that different athletically from no, those guys. No, I think guys. he's going to be very good athletically, too. I worry about that long stride, but you know what? That might help him. And again, with like the how slow is he going to have to run for it to affect his draft stock? Like five? I think he'd have to run oh, yeah. worse than it a five. Maybe. And then even then, it might be okay. Like if he pulled up with a 4.9, I think that every scout would just be like, eh, look at his 10-yard split. Look at his 20. We don't give a shit about his 40. Do either of you know the fastest 40-yard time for an edge defender in the <laughs> no. last 20 years of the combine? I actually knew this without looking it up. Antoine Barnes ran a 4.43. Oh, he, he was running he faster was than receivers. So yeah, like, he wow. was. Four, that's insane. That I didn't know it was that fast, but I do remember how freakish he was. He just... Whenever he was healthy, he was actually really good. He was well, just always 6'1", 240. Yeah. 6'1", 240 is pretty small. It is. It is pretty small. Yeah, he so, was very Barkevious Mingo kind of size. Yeah, that's true. So I got the under on that one. Jalen Hurts, who will be working out at quarterback. I was so glad someone clarified that. A position he's only played since high school. It's insane that that Has never played up. another position. <laughs> His over-under is set at 4'5'8". I think Jalen is a good football player. I'm excited to see what his NFL future looks like. I do not think he is four five five fast. I'm taking the over on this, and I like. Yeah. I hope he goes under this because I like Jalen. I, I would be very surprised. Yeah, you look at him and he's a very good runner, but he's not beating a lot of people with speed. He's I think not Kyler Murray. Yeah, he's going to be in the four sixes. I, I think, and I think a lot of people are probably going to look at him in that Taysom Hill mold, or you know, a late third, fourth round guy that maybe they can mold into a quarterback. Very athletic. I think he's going to be a successful runner 
in the National Football League, but I, I don't think that he's going to run a four five eight. I think that he's put on a lot of weight in college, as he probably should. I think he came into college probably six foot two, around two hundred pounds. I think he's up to about two twenty now. That's going to be very hard. I mean, if <clears throat> he runs faster than this, good for him. Uh, for his sake, if he wants to stay at quarterback, he might want to register that four six though. Uh, this is yeah. This is one of my right. This is one of my favorite bets on here, and I'm going over. I, I think he's strict. I think he's clearly in the four six range, four six plus kind of range with Jalen Hurts. I don't think he's extremely fast. I think he has good wheels for a quarterback, but once again. The position change stuff never even really made that much sense to me because I just don't think he's he has that kind of straight line speed. And I think you're going to see that in the 40 where I, I don't expect him to be in the sub 4-6 range at all. I do want to say this. I want to go back to Chase Young. I think there's a, an even better chance he just doesn't run. Yeah. Oh, of course. So, uh, sure. Why right? should he? So you get, get your money back if he doesn't run. Yeah. I Yeah, I don't know. I'd, I almost wouldn't touch that one. Because I can see it going both ways. I don't think he's going under four six five, but I could. It wouldn't be like, oh wow, Chase Young's really fast. I'm shocked, yeah, right? Like, oh <laughs> man, this guy's really athletic. If, yeah. if he gets into the four fives, I'll be surprised. But yeah, anything else? Well, that would be does wild. <laughs> yeah, it would be. Uh, Jerry Judy over under four four four. Jerry told us that he was going to be quite a bit faster than that, and I believe him. So I'm going to go too. with the under. Um, Maybe I'm an idiot because I know every guy's like, I run a 4-3. Uh, no, nah, 4-3 is pretty fast, but I, Judy's burst is really good. The only thing that, that gives me pause is I knew he was small because like I've seen him play and I know what he's listed at. And I don't know if, Connor, if you felt that way. When we met him, I was like, oh, my God, this is a baby. Like He's he's a child. I mean, he's oh, listed at 6'1", 192. I don't know if I believe that. He looked 5'11", 175. I thought he I was taller. He, I yeah, do think maybe. he's. I think he's a real six, mm, six feet six. and a half, right? <laughs> I was in some Either way, I just, that day and we I, just the same height. <laughs> I just don't give a shit because he's so electric. Right. Where it's like whatever. I, I I'm, I'll just get this out of the way. I think he. This is another one of my favorite bets. I think he's going under uh, four four four. I think Jerry Judy will be a very straightforward four four forty yard kind of guy. And I'm taking the over, just a little difference. Uh, somebody has to have a disappointing 40-yard dash. And if it is Jerry Judy, I don't think it makes a difference with his draft stock. I'm going to go with over. I still think that he gets in the 4-4s, four but I'm going to say four four nine for Jerry Judy. Okay, four four nine. I like it. Joe Burrow, deceptively athletic. If he runs the 40, they have set it at four eight one. Uh, I think that he could get under that. Uh, quarterbacks, we always think they're slower than they actually are. You know, where it's like you watch a guy and you're like, oh, man, he's not very fast. And it's like, ah, well, he's a little faster than I thought. So I'm going to go under for our guy, Joe Burrow. I think he can get a 4.79. Jared Goff ran like a 4.79. I, I think I think he's faster than Goff. Yeah, I think that he's athletic. Uh, I also don't think that he's doing a damn thing to prepare for the 40-yard dash. This is another guy that just, he probably won't run it because it doesn't matter what he does run. He's probably going to go first overall if he wants to. Uh, and so I don't think that he will run the 40. But if he does, I doubt that he's putting his hand in the dirt too often, working on that start. I think he goes over if he runs it. I apologize. Jared Goff ran a 4.82. I was close. That does surprise me. I- I'm going over here for Joe Burrow. I don't. I'll say this: when we went to the SEC championship, I was like, "Damn, he's got more wheels than I thought." I just think it's play speed. 
I think he's somebody that when once again, I think Melo really just just said it. When you get on the the track in the shorts, I just don't know how much he truly cares about running this forty. I mean, is he going to be a five flat guy? No, he's faster than that. I think I'll be slightly above four eight one. Carson Wentz ran a four seven seven. Wentz is a crazy athlete. Before yeah, he's, he's, he's another guy that's very good out athlete. A million times. Right. I think with Burrow, like maybe I need to run down there and like hit him in the head first, and then he'll run faster because he's just right? so much better after. <laughs> yeah, like or, or slap him the in the face a little bit, and he'll be like, ah, I don't know. I'm gonna I'm gonna tweet at him all week. People are saying you're slow. Like everyone thinks you're slow. You're gonna run a five second forty. Just try to like, you know, chip on his shoulder, get him to do it. Get his phone number from somebody like those. Was it Georgia fans? Yeah, did. Georgia fans did. So this one surprised me, guys. J.K. Dobbins over under set at four four nine. And at first, I was like, I don't think he's that fast. But then the more I thought about how he played this year, there were some plays where he would get those chunk yards, like sixty yard runs. I think he's a little faster than I assume because of his body type. So I'm actually going to go under. We've seen guys like this, shorter running backs with powerful lower bodies, good core strength, do have a tendency to run faster than than I expect. So I'm going to go under on J.K. Dobbins for this. I'm going with the over, um, but you mentioned like some of his bursts and big plays. I think it was against Clemson. He ripped off two huge runs. If he can come in and measure like he has and run in the four fours, I think we're going to have to start talking about him as a first-round guy, too. I think a lot of these running backs, and we're going to talk about a couple of them here, but if they can start to run in the low four fours, I think that a lot of them are going to go in the first round. I, I and mean, If any of them can get to the four three, cement them in the first round. I'm going over here for Dobbins. This is one of like the weird things that my brain stores, but I remember a play, I think two years ago, where Nick Nelson on Wisconsin chased him down. It was one of the more ridiculous like touchdown-saving kind of tackles. Nelson ran a four five two. I think Dobbins is going to be right around four five five ish. I don't think he has great straight line speed. So it, good enough speed. But once again, remember what we saw with you know Josh Jacobs, David Montgomery, those kind of guys last year. I think it's very similar for Dobbins. I'm in down like a rabbit hole of looking at all forty times. Adrian Peters ran a four four flat. Yeah, he's like two hundred twenty three pounds. He's one of I the mean, best running backs to ever come out of college, hundred and high school. <laughs> yeah. It's, it is amazing. Uh, let's go next on this, guys. DeAndre Swift, uh, another running back. Love him as a player. Four four seven. I'm going to go over on this. I think he's agile. I think his three cone is going to be great. I don't think his 40 is going to be fantastic. I would have guessed him as like a four five one guy, so I'm going to take the over on this one. Yeah, I'm going to take the over, too. He's a short stride-looking guy. I think he's probably only 5'9". I mean, Georgia lists him at 5'9". He might be 5'8". Uh, so... At that weight and that height, that doesn't scream fast time to me. So I'm going to go over as well. I don't think it's going to make a difference. I think he still goes in the first, maybe the second round. But I don't think that he's a 40-time kind of guy. I took a push here. I think this is right where he's at. I think 447 looks like the perfect range for Swift. I've seen him, you know, obviously have some great breakaway runs. But once again, I don't think he's the, the fastest straight-line speed kind of guy. I actually don't think this is... A great year for running backs. I mean, I think the Washington running back and Jonathan Taylor, those guys will be right around 4-4 and Keyshawn Vaughn. But overall, the top, a lot of the top names are not going to light up the track at the 4-3 flat kind of range. No, not at the combine. It's just, I don't, I agree. I don't see a lot of speed guys in this. I, I'm anxious to see he's not on here, what my guy Clyde the Glide runs, because he's like 5'8", 210 pounds, you know, a little muscle hamster out there just powering those legs through. He's Up next, guy, not... Not terribly fast. No, no, just 
just smart and, and yeah, good and shifty. Great, great player. Last running back, you just mentioned him, Jonathan Taylor. They set him over under 4-5-1. We all took the under, spoiler alert. This one terrifies the shit out of me because we've heard all along, oh, he's 4-4, this is a track guy. There's a lot of wear and tear since the track days. I do wonder a little bit. I hope he's been preparing for this. Thank God he doesn't have to carry a football while he runs it. 4-5-1 scares me. I'm, we did all go under. He's he's a track guy. We we know that he's a track guy, and those guys always run well. Uh, so I I hate this over under that they said. It seems way too easy. I think they should have set it at four four five, and then maybe I think it's a discussion. I still would probably take the under. Uh, he's probably added on some weight, Matt. You love to mention the wear and tear that he's had. I don't think that it affects him though. I think that this guy still goes low four fours in the 40, and it's not going to surprise me at all. I will say, people in Wisconsin have told me he's 4-3 type, like high 4-3. Coming out, I looked at his recruiting profile, and he was at 4-4-2 coming out of high school. You can't lose a tenth of a That's at like 2-10. I don't think that going and working out at Wisconsin for three years and still (laughs) running all of the goddamn time, that he's going to lose a tenth of a second. So, yeah, I'm going to take the under in this one. This is... And this is my favorite bet on the list. If you're actually putting your money somewhere, Jonathan Taylor, 4-5-1, I think he goes 4-4-1. So this is an easy under. If I was taking real money, this is where I would put all of it. One thing I love about Jonathan Taylor, the guy squats 605 pounds. And as we've said with some of these other guys, that's where being a great sprinter comes from. And so I, I, know, like, I'm, I tease about Jonathan Taylor. I still love him as a prospect. The fumbles are the only issue I have. That's it. So let's move on here. T. Higgins, last uh, specific player over under here. Four, five, seven. I cheated and pushed because guys who are six four, two fifteen, he doesn't look super straight line fast. So I'm going to take the over on this. I guys, I, I think you said it earlier, Melo. Someone has to disappoint. I think it could be T. Higgins this week. Yeah, I think it could. Just the height. I mean, I think that he was even listed at like six five at one point. I'm going to take the under just because I think the play speed is maybe not there, but I think that he can still hit that 4-5-2, 40 time. But it, he's another guy that it won't surprise me if he's in the four sixes. I am going to take the under here. I think he's maybe a little bit faster. Long strider, which is that deceptive speed. You see him running, you're like, oh, shit, this guy's not really moving. But also, no one's catching him. So maybe he is actually running fast. Long strider, deceptive speed. I'm taking the under. Oh, this was the toughest one on the list, but I went under as well here, Mello. And Matt, I could easily see your push as well as the four, five, seven. He wins vertically. He gets over the top and beats defensive backs all the time. Now, I know coming out of high school, he wasn't necessarily the fastest guy. I do think he could still be, you know, a really good athlete and having the time to train for this. I expect T. Higgins to be right in that four, five, five range, which for a guy the way he plays, tough after the catch, tough before the catch, tough at the catch point. And just a really good football player. I think a four five five would be very adequate for him. All right, here we go. Fastest forty over under four two nine seconds. I'm going under. The record is allegedly four two two. I think we all think that's bullshit. Four two nine though. I'm taking the under, and I'll go ahead and put a name on it. It's gonna be my man Henry Ruggs. But I wouldn't be shocked if we actually see a couple people get under this. I think there are a lot of guys that have a chance to go under on the 429. And it seems like that this surface gets faster every year. So I'm going with the under too. I don't think we've seen very many guys with Henry Ruggs speed come run the, at the combine. I think that he has a chance to, uh, actually set the record. Cause you're right. That four, four, that 422. Sorry. 
that's moving. And a lot of people think that maybe that wasn't a, a true 40 time. But I think that Henry Ruggs can hit that 425 40 time. I, I know the NFL Network tweeted out something about Ruggs and the 40. And there were a lot of Alabama receivers and teammates tweeting out his 40 time is going to be a four and a two. I don't know what the next number is. And I even saw one of them was like 419 is what this guy can get. I don't know if the surface is that fast. That's Tyreek Hill. But I, I think that, that Henry Ruggs is going to come out with something to prove. He wants to set that mark. I don't know if they're giving away an island or anything like that this year. <laughs> but I, if I'm betting on it, it's Henry Ruggs. Man, and that's something for him because he's he's bigger than Tyreek Hill and mm-hmm. doesn't have the character problems as Tyreek Hill. So... I think for him, he's going under this number four two nine. I do, you know, Jerry Judy told us that with a bad start, he was at four two five. I do think the Alabama clocks are a little fast, but once again, he's working on the start. You see it on the field. This guy is playing at a completely different speed than everyone else. I think Ruggs is going to be right around four two six. I would gladly take the under on this bet, and he's the fastest yeah. guy there. I just want to make that clear. Yeah, and the fastest 40, this is another bet. Ruggs is the favorite at minus 400, and Ruggs at plus 250. Or, excuse me, Jalen Rieger at plus 250. I think we all agree that Ruggs is going to be the fastest guy here. I do want to go off topic here. Last question for you guys before we take a break. Do you think Ruggs could be a number one receiver in the NFL? I do. Yes, I but, do. Okay, good. Mellow? I, I, I do, too. And Connor, like you were talking about, he's a lot bigger than I think everybody thinks that he is. He's six foot tall, 190 pounds. This isn't some little scat slot receiver. Yep. Right. This is a... It's uh, not well, OBJ. Hitler. I mean, he's about yeah. the same size as OBJ. Uh, so I think that, yeah, he can be a number one receiver. That What are you going to do with those Alabama receivers? There's four number one receivers on that team. You just somebody's going to have to get the ball. Some three other guys can't. I think that he can do that in the NFL. I don't Man, but I'll say this: like I've seen a lot of love, and I get it for Jalen Rieger on Twitter, and I'm talking like significant round one, sometimes over Rugs love. I, Rugs played against better players, and I just thought he played bigger than Jalen Rieger, and I think that really matters at the next level. I like Jalen Rieger for the day two prospect that he is, but I don't think this is a conversation. Yeah. I think a lot of people are going to say, well, what about the quarterback play, Connor? But I, I agree with you. I get, I get I think yeah. If you're a really good receiver, you're going to make that job easier for the quarterback. And yeah, he had some shit thrown to him. But it doesn't matter who your quarterback is if when the ball hits your hands, you drop it. That's not on the quarterback. Bingo. And everyone says that about like Rieger has drops and people will say, well, look at the, you know, whoever pro football folks or someone did a stat on how many of his throws were catchable. I, that stat means nothing to me. How many of the catchable throws did he drop? That's what we got to talk about with Rieger, who also, he just, his route tree is going to take some work. So I like Rieger. Like yeah, Connor's day two. Day two pick. Really like, like him. Already there. is, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't, I don't think he's rugs. I personally, I actually like Hamler a little bit better. Me too. So that's where I have it. All right. Let's take a break. We got a lot of draft on draft questions for you guys. We'll get into right after this. All right, guys, we are back. Don't forget, Saturday, February 29th at 2 p.m., 2D Brewing Company in Indianapolis. We're going to have Joey Molinaro. We're going to do our podcast. We're going to give you free beers. It's a good time. Just remember the number two. Two o'clock, 2D Brewing. We're giving you two free beers. There you go. And we're there for two hours. Ah, You better talk to us before we leave. Even better. All right, first question in a loaded draft on draft segment from Dakota Cox. Which team do you see making the first move that shocks everyone on draft night, similar to what Oakland and New York did last year. I am going to say, man, I don't know. I think Detroit, I mean, Detroit will do something. I don't think they're going to draft Tua, but I think the trade out will be 
will be, you know, who comes up will be the surprise. Hopefully it's not chalk and it's just Miami comes up to, to three to get Tua and Detroit goes to five to get Akuda. But I think Detroit ha- holds all the cards in this. Yeah, I think if it's not Detroit, you have to look at number four with the New York Giants. I know that we have been mocking them like offensive linemen, maybe some defensive linemen. I wouldn't be shocked at all if they just went, fuck it, let's take Jerry Judy and get a receiver at number four and just (laughs) fuck the whole draft. So I'm going to say number four, the Giants do something that we're not expecting. Or Isaiah Simmons. Yeah, even that. Yeah, I'm curious. I I look at this and I just wonder, who is the surprise team that does something wild for a quarterback? But maybe we us three talk about it too much where nothing surprises us anymore. That's like, like when people ask who right? your sleeper is, and you're like, oh, there's none of those exists Yeah, anymore. like, uh, I don't know what that word means anymore. Here's what, I'll just throw this out there. If Miami took Justin Herbert over Tua, it wouldn't surprise me, but it would be a surprise. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that it, would be the it's one. It's not shocking, but it shouldn't happen. Right. Like when Daniel Jones went before Dwayne Haskins. We were like, oh my God, this is a travesty. Or that he went before Drew Locke. Or when they both went in the first round. I was like, what the hell's going on here? <laughs> yeah. Beauty is in the eye of the beholder. And free agency will tell us a lot. Because, like, True. what if ten- Tennessee decides to franchise Derrick Henry? They let Ryan Tannehill walk. Who knows what they do at quarterback? And they're like, you know what? We're just going to trade all of our picks and come back up and take Jordan Love or Justin Herbert. Those I don't two- think they will. But yeah. something crazy like that is what I'm talking about. This is off topic. I'm having such a hard time with Herbert versus Love. I literally have them tied. They have the same grade. They have it's easy when you don't like either of them. <laughs> when, I mean, I, I don't particularly like either of them, but I feel like I do have to split them at some point. I, I hope this I week helps me. Uh, I'm yeah, having a hell of a time because I have them four positions apart. But man, they're like right there. I have them it, right there. Man, I keep switching them back and forth. Yeah, I do, yeah, no. same, I, I do I, the I same thing. It's like you watch a, one game and you're like, all right, I got to move them up. Yeah. Then you watch it. Like, I, here's the weird one for me. Love versus LSU is the game that makes me move him up, and he, he threw like two picks. Really? Yeah, like, I statistically like it. terrible, yeah. but yeah. it's fun film to watch. Yeah I, I, yeah, I think a couple of those interceptions, maybe even two, were like tipped balls or something yeah. like that happened. But there were some terrible throws Absolutely. as well, which is like we just talked about his whole career. Like, oh my God, he's amazing. Yeah, that interception wasn't his fault. What the fuck are you doing, Jordan Love? That's yep. Jordan Love's scouting report. Jameis Winston. So it's, like, it's like if Jameis could run a so little bit going better. to the Bucks. Yeah. All right, Brooks Gwynn, one of our favorite favorite dudes on Twitter. If you were picking towards the end of the round and your team needed an IO line corner and linebacker. Oh, the Chiefs? Obviously, exactly. <laughs> this is a Chiefs question. How would you draft those positions in the first three rounds? So, Brooks is clearly asking about the Chiefs here. I think it just depends on who else on the board. Now, positional value would tell you corner, off-ball linebacker, interior offensive line is, the, I think, the way you would value this. And for the team that he's asking about but not asking about, I think it's the same order. Corner, yeah. when you have two coming mm-hmm. back. Linebacker, where none of those guys really fit Spagnuolo's defense. And then interior offensive line, where you have Martinez ranking coming back from injury. We'll see if they have to let LDT go in a salary cap move. But they just won a Super Bowl with some dudes playing on the interior O-line. <laughs> like, I mean, Wisniewski playing, Andrew Wiley. Pretty much brought him out of retirement. Right. So I think you can get by okay there. With this team that may be drafting at the later end of the first round and having all these very specific needs, what I would say about it is the linebackers, all three of them, are probably going to be gone. I don't know if I want to take a chance on some of the other linebackers in the first round. So that's probably not going to happen. The corners, I think you're just going to miss out on that first or second tier of corners. So I don't know if I would reach there either. But I think you might be able to get a guy 
like Cesar Ruiz out of yep. Michigan, who's going to be the best interior lineman at the end of the first round. And then you can go add some depth pieces at linebacker. You can find some guys late in the second or the third round. And with corner, you can find good corner value in the later rounds. And I think this is a very deep corner class. So I actually think that they're probably going to draft it interior offensive lineman, corner, and then linebacker. Yeah, there's a lot of different ways they can go with it. I, I know looking at it, I would love the Ruiz pick personally, seeing how the board falls. That one makes the most sense to me. Matt, I think you did this on a mock draft Monday, and correct me if I'm wrong, but maybe a reach for Jalen Johnson at the end yeah. of round mm-hmm. one, or, or yep. tra- really a trade back. You probably trade back in yeah. round two. Because yep. I have him and at you 38 take... overall, so a little bit. Yeah, and yeah. he just fits their scheme really well, Jalen Johnson. So that one makes a lot of sense. Linebacker. I mean, Melo nailed it. You're probably just in no man's land. I, I don't think there's a guy. I, I don't think Queen or Murray or those guys really make it there. I am curious to see how the league looks at Zach Bond because yep. I value him as an off-ball guy, not an edge guy at the next level. I still can't can, believe people are looking yeah. at him at edge. It just doesn't fit, man. It's And that's okay. He does good things on the edge, but that doesn't mean he's an edge. Yeah, and I look, it's, again, not to just stay on the Chiefs, if Jeff Gladney's there, he should be the pick. That's I like one. Jeff Gladney like a just, lot, too. If he's there at 32, hey, Brett, don't mess this up, buddy. Take v, take Gladney, and then you can come back, and you know if we're talking interior offensive line, I mean, you could get a... John Simpson might be there. Matt Hennessy might be there. I, I think you could... Again, that's a position where there is good depth. I think Troy Dye is a really good fit in that scheme because he can drop into coverage like in the real well, round. and I like his size, too. But yeah, but get him in the fourth round. Go get a corner, get some offensive linemen. Uh, target a receiver that they're probably going to go after or maybe even a running back. It's be funny when they go running back receiver and none of this matters. I fucking hope not. Andrew Magnuson wants to know, Javon Kinlaw stole our hearts at the Senior Bowl. In addition to him, who are the easiest prospects to root for? I find myself rooting for players who've like, you know, been through a lot you know, like a like a Javon Kinlaw, we've we've heard so many of those stories um, just this year. Uh, Yidor Grossmatos talking about you know his uh, brother and his dad died within a couple of years of each other, and like that's that's just absolutely heartbreaking. I love guys like Lynn Bowden who you know they have a kid and and you know Melo and I being fathers, and they talk about how much their child changed their life, you know, and it's like oh my god, like those are the things that you can really you know resonate with and then i think i don't know if you guys agree i think joe burrow is the easiest guy in the class to root for ah, i don't i disagree really? I don't, yeah. i've yeah i've gotten off that go ahead mellow so you're gonna say I, exactly what i'm gonna say i just think that he's maybe a little bit more arrogant and has a little bit more baker mayfield in him than we think i agree man uh, just the smoking the cigar after the national championship game uh, the spotlight wasn't on this guy for four years. You give him a little bit of it, and we've saw a lot over the last year. I think that's why he's gone quiet. Maybe. But he's just, not really gone quiet. So he's still talking about, I don't know if I want to do this. For me, it is because you're at Ohio State, and you, for whatever reason, Dwayne Haskins gets that job. And I'm not going to go conspiracy theory, but... Then, like, you want to go to Nebraska, and they say, hey, you're not good enough. And Alabama offers you to be the number three quarterback. And you go to LSU, and you all you do is go undefeated, win a Heisman Trophy, and have the best year we've ever seen a quarterback have. It's like that part so, of it is easier for transfers. me. Transfers. Wins the Heisman. Goes number one overall. <laughs> That's the story. He breaks line. up with his girlfriend. I mean... <laughs> Oh, so, God. <laughs> uh, that's why I, I think we're that, so scarred. And a lot of other people will say, oh, man, yeah, life sucks for you. You had to transfer from Ohio State to LSU, win the Heisman Trophy, and get drafted first overall. Don't create some fake chip on your shoulder. Uh, so, that's why I would say that a lot of people will say they're not rooting for Joe Burrow. I, I hope he's very good. I, I like what he does on the field. How about this one then, Tua? 
I think Tua is very easy to root for. That fucking ukulele. Yeah, it just he's I'll always smiling oh, and likable. Go ahead, Connor. Uh, one for me is Kenny Willekes had to walk on yep. at Michigan State, had to redshirt his first year, sat on the scout team for two years, and then just comes out of nowhere and, and is constantly all Big Ten. And the guy just the guy had to wait till the final week to get a Senior Bowl invite. It's like step after step, nobody believes in this guy, and every time we watch him play. He gets it done. So for me, it's Kenny Willekes because he's just going out there and he's not even training at some facility, Jim Nagy was saying. He's just back home <laughs> training where he's always trained, getting ready to play. So I, I really am rooting for Kenny in this draft. If you, if you come on stick to football, we're going to root for you. Maybe. Most likely. For the most part. There have been some. If the listeners hear you on stick to football, <laughs> we're going to root for you. There you go. We're, everybody read each other's minds here. Anthony Oreo asks, does Philip Rivers to Indy really seem that beneficial? Yes, he's an upgrade, but probably only slightly. If that's the route Ballard is considering, do they find a trade partner for Jacoby Brissett or outright cut him? I wouldn't. I don't think you have to move Jacoby Brissett. I, I mean, I know they gave him a little bit of a bump, but it's I think a you lot can make it for work. a backup quarterback. But yeah, I, I don't think it's that much. I think it's like what eleven a year yeah. or something like that. As and, far as the is Philip Rivers that much of an upgrade? I really don't know that he is. I agree. I think I love Philip Rivers. I've been one of his biggest supporters since he was at North Carolina State. And I just don't think that at the very end of his career, he's going to put you over the edge uh, that much better than Jacoby Brissett is. I really don't understand why this fan base hates Brissett so much. I know he was just do. thrown into the starting job, what, two weeks before the season started? And I think going into the season as a, all right, I'm going to be the backup for Andrew Luck. I'm ready if anything happens is a lot different than, okay, this is my team. I've been preparing for this all offseason. So I think they should give Brissett another look this year. Find out what you have. It might not be Patrick Mahomes, but it might be good enough to I mean, win also, you a Super like, Bowl. His line was hurt. His receivers were hurt. Their second-round picker receiver didn't do anything. They didn't have a running game for a while. I mean, it felt like it took Mac a while to catch on. They could. It's crazy how much this team hoards cap space. They have yeah. over $86 million before cuts right now. And Brissett's cap number is twenty one point five million. They could sign Rivers for thirty million, have over fifty million dollars in quarterbacks, and still have over fifty five million in cap space. Yeah. So yeah, they could have both of them if they want. But I'm with these guys. Not a huge upgrade. I could see Rivers taking just like a you know, one year deal that's real low. 15, I don't 20, I don't think 20, he's gonna go chasing yeah. right, anything crazy. He might just say, Okay, I'm here. Give me decent money, and let's try to build something also, for a year. Let's just say this. Be, I, I'm no disrespect to Phil. I don't know if the market for him is going to be that strong. I don't know if the I market agree. for Phil is going to be one for 30. You know? Like, who's going to yeah, sign? Yeah, I, I don't think it will be. I think that he's going to get around, like, 17, 18. Yeah. And I do think I love Ballard. Everyone knows my opinion of him. I think the, there's going to be a little pressure there to win. Like, they haven't been as good as I think we all expected them to be. So, and you can say everything that happened with Luck, that is... A huge part of this, but they do need to, they do need to win some games. One more here from Ryan at Browns Can't Draft. I love that Twitter handle. If you guys had to get blackout drunk with one sticky, who would you choose? And we all have to choose someone different. So I accidentally answered this question on Twitter earlier. I said that I wanted to excluding anyone we've done this with, which is a lot Oof. of them. So I picked our guy Volt, who does graphics for us a lot. I think we're going to meet him in Indy this week. And then how about Nicole Antonio? She actually just won one of the 417 Foundation giveaways. She's always, she listens to the podcast and her boyfriend doesn't. That's saying Good enough reason for me. Uh, That's amazing. 
somebody that we haven't done this with. Now I have to like roll through my head that on makes who it tougher. have I not got blackout drunk with because it's hard to remember. I'm going to say Mason Whitlock because he's been a listener since like day one and we still haven't met him. He's an Oklahoma fan. I really don't want to do that. Yeah, he's a Chiefs fan too, so I, I'm able to look past it. Uh, maybe he can at least talk some shit on Baker Mayfield and uh, play some golf and get drunk. Yeah, it would be for me. It would be our boy Dam Supa. He came to the draft week event, Matt. So we got to That's meet right. him there, but we we haven't gotten to uh, have any cold ones with him. But he's a diehard listener, sends us great questions every week, and he's a Mets fan, so it makes it a little easier for me. Drown our sorrows. Now name one you don't want to get blackout drunk with. <laughs> I was just say Mason Whitlock. <laughs> Dan Barnes. Oh, man. I'm not this, actually going to name any of them. I, this Same. is going to be the greatest death threat. This is be the greatest humble brag ever. Can I say Patrick Mahomes? He's He listens three mm-hmm. times a week, to, and I have not been blackout drunk with him. That's very true. Pat, let's do it. Let's make this happen. Let's take a break. We come back. We have five more draft on draft questions to get to you guys before we get ready for the combine. We're back with some draft on draft. Our guy Mason Whitlock. Hey, we were just talking bad about you. Uh, If the Chiefs move on from Sammy Watkins in order to retain Chris Jones, what receivers in the later rounds would you like the Chiefs to draft? There has been a little bit of a debate uh, out in the world and I think even on this podcast as to what type of receiver the Chiefs should go after. Should it be more speed guys or should they look to break that mold and get size? So I will give you two of those options. John Hightower from Boise State is my boy. If they go wide receiver late, he's going to probably run the low four fours juco guy he fits that mold six two like 175 pounds he looks like he belongs on this team now if they want to go with size i think you could look at someone like benjamin victor from ohio state six foot four 200 pounds uh, kendrick rogers from texas a&m we know that him being suspended midseason is not going to be a problem for the chiefs they're okay with as long as if they vet you and you pass they're good with it so i think those are two guys who i would look at late that depending on what type of receiver you want would be a fit yeah, and it depends on what round you're talking about. I think Gabe Davis is going to run pretty well, and he's a big guy out of UCF. I think he's a guy that they could target. Uh, I just can't see Andy Reid taking somebody, no matter how big they are, that can't run. The guy just, he likes 40 times. He's going to look at that. I think maybe Matt, your guy, Devin Duvernay, might be a guy that they target short, fast, That seems to be what they like. But a lot of us that are Chiefs fans say we need a red zone target. We need somebody that can make something happen in the red zone. I think maybe even Colin Johnson is a guy that they could target if they do want that size. Not many receivers bigger than Colin Johnson in this draft. Watch them take Jeff Thomas in the seventh round and he turns into like a wide receiver two or three. That would be the least surprising thing to me from the Chiefs. And and Thomas was... Flashed brilliance at Miami, but boy, were things not consistent on and off the field. Yeah, and I think with Jeff, yeah, the off field is man. If if you sign up, but they don't care, right? No, like no team cares less than the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, yeah, and uh, that'll be. We'll have an off off podcast conversation more about him. Jeremy Gowden says, in the event that Trent Williams leaves the Redskins, is there a discussion about Jedrick Wills at two, or is Chase Young the pick regardless? Guys, for me, Chase Young is the pick regardless. I I like Jedrick Wills. We've talked a lot about how he's the best tackle in this class for us. This is not even close for me. Chase Young is the best player. He would have been the best player uh, last year's class for me. 
probably the class before that for me. I don't know. He, I don't know if he would. I said that about last year. It would have been close. It would have been really close last year. So I, I think you take Chase Young. If you feel like you have to go offensive tackle, Austin Jackson's probably going to be there when you come around in round two. There are other avenues uh, to look at. Oh, excuse me. They don't have a second round pick. Uh, so nope. there's a little pressure there. But third round pick 66. We could see, you know, Matt Pert, Lucas Nyang. There could, there could be guys at 66 that are good. And if you lose Trent Williams, you're going to get compensation as well. So, you know, you might get back an early second-round pick where Austin Jackson becomes a reality. Yeah, I think there's probably a discussion, but they're also very happy that the best player in the draft is falling to them at number two. But they do have a young quarterback that they just drafted last year, so maybe there is a little bit of talk in that draft room about should we go out and get a left tackle to protect him? Or maybe they'll value somebody in free agency. But I think there's a discussion. I think it's a short one, though. And then they say, nah, well, I'm just fucking with you. We're taking Chase Young. Yeah, I think that's it as well. I think if anything, they can go back in time. And I'm not saying Montez Sweat won't be a good NFL player. I know he had seven sacks as a rookie this year. But you probably kind of wish you had you know, that second-round pick this year because of what you just said, Matt. You're getting Chase Young, and then you could have drafted a starting-caliber tackle not saying they have overkill now on the edge, but I just don't know how desperately you need sweat anymore when you have Chase Young. But either way, their front four is going to be a lot of fun to watch. Stacy Hannon says, hey guys, long time sticky, first time questioner. As a lifelong Browns fan, I was ready to give up the NFL entirely when John Dorsey got fired. Is there any reason left for hope or should I just give up? Is there any reason to believe in Andrew Barry? Stacy, I will say this. I have always been kind of a John Dorsey believer. Um, you know, from when he was in Green Bay to Kansas City to even when he got the job in Cleveland. And I think when you have, you know, a job like ours and a platform like ours, sometimes you have to say, with new information, I've realized that I was wrong. And I think with John Dorsey, with new information, I'm realizing he's not as good as we all thought he was. I think the hype was a little bit better than the substance. Even, you know, some of the moves he made in Cleveland looked good on paper. And you can argue, well, they didn't have time to flesh out. But, you know, like he put Kansas City in a terrible cap situation. Uh, and you, we talk about like, oh, they don't care about character. That really started there with John. And some of the moves they made were just just bad moves as well. And so I think when you look at John Dorsey, he's obviously well-connected. Everybody in the media speaks well of him. But I don't know that he's as good of a general manager as his reputation says he is. I think he builds one hell of a Madden roster that is just you get your number one guys in there. And he's done that with the Browns. I think anytime you have Baker Mayfield, there's a first pick overall. You have two good running backs right now. You have probably the best receiver in the league. There's at least some promise, and I think we all expected them to play better last year. Maybe this year, you know, Baker has a better offseason. They take things a little bit more seriously. So I, I wouldn't jump off that Browns bandwagon just yet. But I will tell you, if they go like 6-10 and 10 next year, I'd be looking for a new team. It's going to be really frustrating if if Baker doesn't work out. And there were so many highs and lows this year. But there are players to root for on the Browns, obviously. I mean, we really like Nick Chubb on this podcast. We've been very upfront about that. I know the incident this year was not a good look, but I like Miles Garrett a lot. And I will root for Miles Garrett a lot. So it's interesting with the Browns. I'm the first one to say it. When they made their hires this year on the coaching staff, I was very... Uh, you know, basically asleep is how I felt. It is not an inspiring hire to me at all, but maybe it'll be the one they need. But I wouldn't be out on the Browns right now out of all the times. If you've made it this long, stick around just a little <laughs> yep. longer and, and let's hope they get this thing right with the core they have. You know, we have a saying in Missouri, if you don't like the weather, just wait until tomorrow. It'll be different. And with the Browns, that's that's the way it is, man. Oh, if you don't like this, GM, just wait. Wait a year. 
You'll have a different one. It'll be fine. Yeah, you probably have a different coach to go with you. Right. Uh, we got a question here from Ev Janai, I think. E V G E N I. Good luck. Uh, okay. Good luck with this. Each of you, please tell us something sweet or good about the other co host that we don't know. Oh, that you don't know? Ah. Ha ha ha. Okay, you're just sitting uh-huh. back waiting uh-huh. for one of us to go first. I have my answers. Okay, I'll go first. Um, I don't think a lot of the listeners know how much prep work goes into this show. I think you're a right. lot of people probably just sit back and think, man, that's great that they have Bleacher Report back there to do everything for them. And while we all love Bleacher Report and we are sitting here because of them, my two co-hosts work their ass off for this show. Connor's constantly cutting up film. Matt is constantly working. Like We don't clock in, clock out. Uh, so I will say that about my co-host. This show is successful because we've worked our ass off to build it. And a lot of that goes on behind the scenes, not from other people. You know, we don't have interns that are out doing stuff for us. Matter of fact, we've had interns before and we just decided we're good. We'll work our asses off. We'll build this thing from the ground up as just three guys that were sitting in front of a microphone. So uh, I will pat ourselves on the back. We've worked very hard to build this podcast. And I think we all three know that we keep each other accountable. Like if you're not working, something's going to be said. I mean, that's how that's what I'll piggyback off of is just that. One thing that you don't see is we have a group chat that's just me, Matt, and Mello, and this thing is going nonstop, and I would say 90% of the time, it is work-related. It's planning travel. It's planning the rundown. Who's building out the dock? Because sometimes, you know, uh, for especially for Friday shows, you know, Mello will really own that. And at times, whether me or Matt are busy on the weekend, somebody's got to build out the Monday rundown, and what teams are we going to fix? And just all the tracking that goes into it, the communication. I've worked at Bleacher Report for six years now, and I've worked a lot of different places in life or worked in a lot of group projects in life. And the communication, thanks to these two, is incredible. It, it really it makes a difference, and I think it's why we're so hands-on with the show to the point where it's hard for us, even if the day comes that we get help, we just don't accept it very well in a good way. I was going to tell you guys, we've been offered help. I keep saying no. <laughs> That's not true. Uh, we wouldn't do that. Uh, I was actually going to go uh, not work-related, uh, or not super work-related. Uh, I don't know if a lot of people, because uh, we don't talk about our kids a lot, I don't think people understand how great of a dad Mello is. Like, we, you know, we we don't want to bring our kids, like, you guys don't care, so we don't talk about it a lot, but, like, if anything ever happened to me, Mello would get my kids. That's how good of a dad he is. And like, I, I trust him. Like he's who I go to for parenting advice. Like that's, that's how Pretty much I'm good at it. Right. That's how much I trust Mello as a dad. I mean, he's a fantastic. And as a single dad, something I've done uh, feels like my whole damn life. It's a hard job. And any of you out there imagine. who are single parents or were raised by a single parent, you know how hard it is. And Mello is like fucking killing it with his two girls. And with Connor, one of my favorite things about Connor is, and I've known him again for six years, Connor treats everyone today like he did six years ago. I We have been in some stressful work situations and, you know, like we're up against it with production or, you know, we even sometimes have to work with people we don't know. And I can be a little high strung. And what I like is like Connor is always level, like always with people. Everyone gets treated the same. No one ever gets big timed. And I think, you know, even people who come out to our events know that. And hopefully you know that about all three of us very approachable, like respects everyone and the job that they're doing. And I think that happens because, you know, like the three of us, I will say, 
you know, none of us were handed this gig. We all worked our ass off to get to this point, and we had to do a lot of other things, you know, whether that's working in production or working in marketing or being a teacher. Like, we've done a lot of other things. So I think we have that respect for all the people that we have to work with where, like, hey, you're just trying to do your job. Like, let me help you do it to the best of your ability. So that that was like a weirdly long Yeah, we should have saved that. That was a nice little moment. Day, fellas. Yeah, yeah, that was a nice little <laughs> moment because I think us three are so wrapped in – work and life and this show and that it's good sometimes to just be like hey you know what i appreciate you guys a lot yeah and now we see each other all the time too it used to be like we only saw each other (laughs) twice a year i tell connor this all the time there was at one point where me and connor would hug by and be like dude i do not know the next time i will see you hopefully it's soon now it's just like all right connor see you later dude probably in about two weeks (laughs) exactly exactly which is great it's fun for us that we've reached the point where it's like uh, we're all flying to this event in this space, and at the minimum, I'll see you at the draft or draft yep. week in New York. Man, and next year is only going to be uh, even crazier. So, last question from Brito. Last week, uh, you said you told teams about a certain player. This is to me. Do you real? Do you only tell certain team info about players you like, or do you have a connection in every team you speak to? So, no, I do not currently have a connection with every team. I don't have a connection who works for every team. Though, I mean, the way that this works, you know, you can have a guy who works for the Niners. Maybe he used to work for the Chiefs, or vice versa. So, you still have an into that to all 32 teams, but you might not have a go-to guy there. The the player I think that we were speaking about last week, we were talking about how, you know George Kittle. I was texting people being like, draft this guy. I've told this story before about there was a linebacker at a college near here that I really liked, and I was texting coaches, hey, you got to pick this guy up, and one coach did after the draft, and the player ended up being Dylan Cole, and he ended up being a captain uh, for the Texans, so uh, you would like to have that, but no, it's just like with anything in life. You you build connections with coaches or scouts, and then there are some that you actually become friends with. And those are going to be the people that that trust your opinion, and they're also going to be the ones you go to first. I I had a head coach this week reach out and be like, when I see you in Indy, you better have that list for me of undrafted free agents that fit our scheme. And I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot you we do pay that. me? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no joke. I think he does an information, so it works. But, you know, it's like that – and he, you know, like it's those types of friendships that it's, you know, it's equally beneficial. Yeah. I mean, I, I was waiting for you. I, mean, I have no that? information to add to that. So, yeah, you got it, Matt. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Great job, Matt. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Uh, that is our show. Uh, we will have one for you almost every day this week. Don't forget, we'll have a show coming out Wednesday morning. That'll be me and uh, Tennessee Titans head coach Mike Vrabel. So that's going to be an interesting podcast, to say the least. Thursday morning, we'll have one. Friday morning, we'll have one. And then you'll get one Monday, uh, the following morning. I believe that's the 2nd of March. We'll have one out for you. And then we're back on our normal schedule. So that is the rundown. For Mello, for Connor, we'll talk to you guys real soon. Thanks for hanging out with us.